Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and from the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth and love. Amen. Amen. Dear friends in Christ our Lord, you know, I had originally planned to uh, bring a message from God's Word recorded in Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, but then I became rather intrigued by the gospel reading for today, and that gospel I extended to verse 13, as you might have noticed in that chapter, chapter 15. But in this text, we find a man who is in a real fix. His boss is asking for an audit of the books, and he just gets scared. He has not managed the affairs of his employer very well, and frankly, now he's been caught. He knows that he's about to lose his job, so he asks himself, what am I going to do? And in this flash of insight, the man decides to minimize his incompetent management by bribing his way out of the mess. By the way, bribery was pretty effective in the time of Jesus. It is effective today, as probably we've often seen from the news headlines as they testify. Well, he goes to his boss's creditors and he reduces the amount that each of them owe. And what's surprising about this story is that is that the boss actually commends the manager for his shrewd and prudent actions. Now, the Greek word here for shrewd or prudent means, quote, wise concerning one's own interests, unquote. And we can see why Luke uses this word to describe the manager since he considered his situation rather carefully. And when he looked at all of his options, he simply acted out of his own interest. It's equally surprising that in this account, Jesus goes on to say that the sons of light do not act shrewdly. Maybe they don't know human nature very well, or they do not always act in their own best interest. But what is their best interest? Verse 9 in this chapter sheds some light on this when it describes the use of things in the present to ensure the future. When it talks about having friends in this life as a way of guaranteeing to have a place, a home in the next. How we use our resources does make a difference. We should take note that this story of the dishonest steward or manager in Luke's gospel follows immediately upon the parables of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son. I'm sure you remember that chapter in your own studies, chapter 15. We have the story of the shepherd who, after seeking the lost sheep and finding it, calls for a party. And you too probably will recall the story of the woman seeking the coin and celebrating with her neighbors 
when that coin was finally found. And then comes the story of the prodigal son and the elder son and the father who called for a party to celebrate the homecoming of his lost son following upon those first two stories in that chapter. Well, really, what we have here is it, it all makes the same point as, as all the others do. God's interest is in seeking and restoring the lost. Do we use our resources to further God's desire to find the lost? Do we have the desire to clothe, to feed, to educate, to evangelize, to put to work those who are in need? In the church that I grew up in almost every Sunday, we would sing at the offertory, or as our offertory hymn, what we're going to sing this morning. We give thee but thine own. And that first sim verse is simply, we give thee but thine own. Whatever the gift may be, all that we have is thine alone. A trust, O Lord, from thee. This hymn speaks of the reality that everything we have comes from God and belongs to God. Let me say that again because it's a very important point here. It speaks, the hymn speaks of the reality that everything that we have comes from God and belongs to God. Now, what would happen if we were the manager in this story? And it was God who was the owner of the business. It's an interesting, no, uh, maybe disturbing question. Do we look upon what we earn, what we call ours, to do with as we please? Or do we consider ourselves managers of God's property? Do we act in our own best interests or do we act in God's best interest? Another way to put this, do we see all life, all of life as a gift from God to be used to his praise and his glory? Or do we compartmentalize our life into our church life and our secular life? thinking that I can give God Sundays, but the rest of the week, well, those belong to me. I put my time in every Sunday, the rest of the week is for me then, you see, to manage as I see fit. The rest of the week, I would not even think of cracking a Bible or saying a prayer. I just have too many responsibilities to be thinking of God. Some folks think that God has nothing to say anyway about those things, you know. He has, no, he has no right to say anything about how I use my money, how I use my possessions, my time, or even my sexuality. God has no business getting into those things of mine. He needs to stay where he belongs. Here in the church on Sundays. My life during the week belongs to me.
Now that leads me to ask a very personal question of you again. Are you a member of a church? Or are you a disciple, a follower of the Christ? Are you just a member or you, are you an ambassador for the Lord? If you're only a member on the rolls of the church, well, I think you truly have missed the point. In verse 13 of this same chapter, Jesus warns us, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now the word here translated money in our English Standard Version could be translated simply wealth. Because the Greek word includes much more than money. It includes also all of our material things of value to us. The point is you can't have it both ways. God's way and my way. It's either or. Either he is the Lord and king of your life over all of your life or he is not. It's that simple. The Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthians in his second letter. For the love of, of Christ compels us because we are convinced that one has died for all. Therefore all have died. And he died for all so that those who live might live no longer for themselves, but for him who died and was raised for them. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. You see, we give our whole selves to him because he gave his all to us. There's nothing he held back of himself. And his love then compels us to do that. His all-encompassing love for us in Jesus Christ. And you know what? He's not stopped loving us. He continues to love us in spite of us. Forgiving us all of our sins. Sunday after Sunday day after day. You remember in our baptism, he washed us clean of our sins and he promised a life that was going to be with him forever. He made us brand new, as the passage says, new creations to live for him and for him alone. He made us brand new. The theme verse of Paul's letter to the Ephesians probably sums it up this way. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance to do. So you see, we're not just members of a church, but we are partners with Christ in the gospel. Paul continues to write about this in his second letter to the Corinthians. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed 
to us the message of reconciliation, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Through us. Here again, our Lord is calling us to himself to give up our compartmentalized life that we are living and, and give him our all. He gave us his all. He died for all so that we might no longer live for ourselves but live for him. Our Lord, our Savior from all those enemies of ours, sin, death, and the devil. So my friends, let him take charge of your life, all of your life, and see what happens, what wonderful things happen. He has made us his ambassadors. We have a ministry of reconciliation, of making friends for Christ, which have an eternal impact. And yes, we are called to be shrewd ambassadors for Christ. That is, we strive to be wise concerning God's interests. How can we best draw people to their loving Savior? How can we pray, love, serve, reach out to people who cannot find their way? We have to be shrewd. And this doesn't mean that we put a false spin on anything. It means that we speak simply the truth in love, in relevant ways. We make friends for Christ, knowing that his love permeates every part of our lives and compels us. So to him this day be all glory, praise, and honor forever and ever. And all his people can say, Amen. Amen.